Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chabacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply Seahawks fans, wherever you may be, welcome back for another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. Join your host, Bill Alpstead, and co-host, sports writer and football analyst, Keith Myers, as we talk Seahawks football. Seahawk fans, welcome back to another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Offset, sitting down with co-host Keith Myers, here to talk some Seahawks. Uh, we are doing a position group series of shows uh, at this point in the offseason. Uh, we have gone through the quarterback and the running back positions, and uh, today we're talking about tight ends. How you doing? Yeah, tight ends. Um, it's a position that has a little bit of of interest in that the team has three guys that are all, um, you know, good players. I mean, they, they seem to be deep, but they've also got three guys that are coming in trying to fight for a job. And there's some, in, there's some interesting bodies there. So we'll give them uh, some time as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, you know, I think last year we were hopeful. I think I was really hopeful, even even with Gino at quarterback, not knowing that Gino was going to have the year that he had entering the season. We had talked about uh, Russell Wilson moving on, and possibly the team would utilize the tight ends in a more effective way. Uh, Gino would be able to access the middle of the field. Uh, they'd talked specifically before uh, training camp and then during training camp that they were going to uh, use uh, two tight end sets quite a bit and kind of feature that as part of the offense and sure enough they they did um i thought it was it was a pretty decent year overall from the group especially Noah Fant and disley Noah Fant kind of came on throughout the year started a little slow well disley's always been effective 
uh, since he came on as, as a great blocker. And then he'd have periods of time as well where he was effective receiving the ball. And then finally, I thought last year, mid-season uh, to, to the end, they featured Colby Parkinson for the first time uh, in a role that we'd thought they would utilize in the red zone, uh, him being six foot seven and, and uh, being able to take advantage of his height um, and, and his ability to mismatch. And they finally started doing that. So I would be very interested to see, uh, given the fact that we um, – drafted and Jigba as the third wide receiver to kind of solidify that spot. If this group has the same sort of stats that they had last year, or if it even, even goes up because the efficiency of the offense goes up. Yeah. I mean, I would expect it to go up because the efficiency of the offense goes up. So, because you know, you you're on the field more, you make more plays. Everyone gets, a, gets another you know set of opportunities to, to impact a game. Um, we're talking about Colby Parkinson there for a minute, trying to like, oh, they finally used him. Um, so his career, he has 32 receptions um, for 371 yards and two touchdowns. Last year, he had 25 receptions for 322 yards and two touchdowns. Pretty much his entire uh, production came last year. Yeah. Yeah, and I, you know, and that's a great sign, really. I, I'm happy for the kid. I think uh, his development is great. If he could add another ten touches to that, I think that's probably where I would expect him to reside in this offense. As far as Noah Fant is concerned, he was a little bit more productive uh, when he was with the Broncos. Now his rookie year, <clears throat> he had 40 receptions. Then he had 62 and 68, 650 plus yards, um, and, and a few touchdowns. He was in that range for uh, Seattle, although much less yards. His yards per touch uh, was down a little bit. 50 receptions last year, 486 yards, uh, 9.7 uh, yards uh, average, and four touchdowns. So not too bad uh, overall. What do you expect from Noah Fan? It seems like, you know, first-round pick, they gave him a fifth-year option uh, fairly quickly last year, made that decision actually before the season. Um, what does the team want from him? What are they looking for from him in that spot? Well, it looked like last year that at, at the beginning of the season, they were trying to figure out um, what they had. They were, they would feature him at times and then he would disappear at times. And it felt like more like he disappeared from the game plan than he did the, like he just stopped, you know, being effective. Um and it was yeah, it was kind of a weird year, but he ended up with pretty good numbers overall. Um, showed up in some games in a big way, showed up in other games not at all, um, which was a little frustrating. But you know, the offense kind of did that as a whole at times uh, last year, where they, especially in the second half of the year, where they just kind of fell off the earth. Um, so there's that. I think if they can get him to match his numbers um, from last year. I think they'd be happy with that. I mean, maybe, you know, they would want, they want his yards per, um, you know, yards per reception to go up uh, some, you know, just because that means he's getting downfield and, and he's, mm-hmm. you know, hitting, getting hit, um, get catching the ball with a little bit more space and that kind of stuff. But overall, like, I think they got out of him what they wanted. Um, he was the leading, you know, the leader of that room, a room with three good good players and uh if they if he gets the same number of touches 
um, but adds like a yard per um, per catch, I think that overall the team would be pretty happy with that. I think so too. <clears throat> you know, in his rookie year, he had 40 receptions. He had 50 this year, 40 receptions, 562 yards, average 14.1 yards per reception. Uh, as long as 75 yards, he's got that ability in him. Um, so I think that they would try to stretch the field with him uh, since they've got another target for those underneath things, kind of a safety valve in, in Jigba uh, to move the chains. Maybe they would look at him in, in a uh, larger kind of possession receiver role where he's um, he's extending the field a little bit more. I don't know. I mean, well, if you if you've I'm, got Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, and Smith Njigma, why are you asking Noah Fant to be the one stretching the field? Right? You've well, got guys that are that are just built for it, uh, out there to do it. I mean, and he doesn't have this. I don't think he has. I mean, he he has the speed, given that he'll often be covered by linebackers, but he doesn't have the speed in terms of. Um, you know, when you get deep enough, eventually the free safety's got you. And for him at that point, he's not outrunning anyone. It's just a matter of him using his size. Um, I'd like to see them hit him down the seam a little more often so he can they can um basically get those uh linebackers to try and and sit back a little further to try and take that away, because that just makes the running game better. Uh but overall, like he's not the speed demon that you know, DK Metcalf is. If you want to throw the ball deep, throw it to your big guy. Well, he's certainly not the featured receiver in this offense. I mean, absolutely. Take a look at all the weapons. It's kind of crazy. It's it's a great uh, problem to have, but he's probably third or fourth on the list at best when mm-hmm. you know all around. And um, you know, it's just it's inter- interesting to me the, the way the offense is designed. You've got a lot of two di- tight end sets. Um, I would think that maybe he'd have a few more opportunities, but maybe not. 50 receptions, Geno Smith had 399 um, completions last year, led the team uh, historically uh, in that respect, and there's only so many balls to go around. So they also added a a nice receiving back out of the backfield this year. Both uh, featured backs in our system, Ken Walker and now Charbonnet, can can receive the ball out of the backfield. There's just a lot of, of opportunities and options for Geno in this offense. And so it's, it's just going to be really interesting for me how they use the tight ends this year. I think it's probably very similar to what they did last year overall. And we can probably expect about the same production out of our uh, trio. How about mm-hmm. Will Disley, Keith uh, hurt his knee last year in December decided um, or it was decided for him. I should say that he didn't need to have surgery on that. He's had surgery in the past, uh, missed a lot of time. Uh, with those a lot injuries. of times and you know i, I yep. understand he's healthy when healthy he's a great uh player for the team good uh leader and a great inline blocker yeah so i mean you're talking about you know that he's um going into his sixth year and the first year he only played in four games um of which he was fairly spectacular um you know, with uh, two touchdowns and a 19.5 yards per reception, um, and then blew out his knee. And then came back the following year and played in six games, where he was um, better in terms of overall um, 
you know, a production um, still with 11.4 yards per reception, four touchdowns in six games. Looked like he was going to be the real deal. And then if I remember right, he ruptured an Achilles um, and missed a bunch of time. Now, since then, the last three years, he's managed to stay healthy. He's played played in all 16 games in, in 2020, um, 15 out of 16 games in 2021, and then 15 out of 17 games in 2022. So he's managed to stay healthy the last three years. I think the, um, you know, the, the injury bug has kind of left him alone for a little bit, you know, but now he's looking, now he's down around 10 even, um, in terms of the yards per reception. So, so he's not being, um, he's not being as dynamic in the passing game, but they aren't asking him to, because now they've got no fant, Right. And he's the guy that's going to stretch the field and 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 be more dynamic. Uh, Will Disley is an extra offensive tackle. He is a really really good blocker. He's and I I keep saying this. The listeners of our show will understand. Like um, he's one of the best blocking tight ends in the entire NFL, and that's why the Seahawks paid him. Um. If you look at just his receiving numbers, right, 38 receptions or 38 targets, 34 receptions, um, 349 yards, three touchdowns, um, those aren't great numbers. Those are fairly average. Those are, I mean, there's, and there's best. You extrapolate those numbers, though. It's, it's no offense, you know, numbers, basically. I mean, yeah, but less opportunities. But if he had the same amount of opportunities, you, you put those numbers out there. Yeah, but uh, I mean those numbers he's, aren't he's, those numbers aren't fabulous. There is and yeah. they were they were clearly the best numbers of his career in terms of um overall production, although the first two years were more dynamic. Um but the other thing that you have to consider with all of this is he is not outrunning routes very often. Even when he's in there, he is a blocker. They will put him on a defensive end one on one and ask him to hold his own. And 99% of the time, he does. Um, he makes our right tackles look good. <laughs> yeah. Well, last, year, last year wasn't as necessary um, as it was in the previous four years, but the previous four years, um, he made our right tackles look good, and they needed him in order to, because they weren't very good. Um, last year, you know, Abe Lucas was, was much better, and um, but they still used him as essentially an offensive tackle for most of the season. Yeah, it'll be really interesting how that uh, goes this year. I was just going to mention that Abe Lucas can hold his own out there. He kind of wore down as the year went on last year, uh, so it was nice to have Disley in there. But I would fully expect Abe Lucas to kind of gone through the off-season uh, program, built up his functional strength and so forth and stamina, and I'm not sure that they actually need uh, to utilize that as much this year or not. Now, Will Disley's there. They can certainly do it. Um, but it would, and it would be a benefit, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, to, to the run game and, and uh, protecting the quarterback from certain teams and certain edge rushers and so forth. But If you've got the best run blocking, or just in general, the best blocking tight end in the NFL, or and if he's not, he's close. Um, why wouldn't you use that? Why wouldn't you take advantage you of that? Have a, you could have another um weapon on the field yeah but you put him out there and his ability to combo block like an offensive tackle um on a running play and get up on the second level or 
take the the defensive end himself and let Abe Lucas get to the second level if that's um, you know what the alignment suggests should happen. Why wouldn't you use that? It's you're you're a better team when you have your best blockers in there. Um, and yeah, sometimes you don't need six blockers to to pass block. You want five. That's what the and you want everyone else out in patterns because that's how you you know put pressure on the defense is you get enough guys out um, there that they can't cover them all. And in that case, sure. But he's he has legitimate strength that you're not going to find in other players that other teams aren't going to be able to game plan around. And it's yeah, it's a it's a strength that most people don't value like fans. But it is a really important one. He's great at blocking. And a legitimate safety valve on this offense. He's not going to, you know, go out yeah. and uh, He's take really smart in terms of the way he does things. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, gets himself in a spot. He knows uh, the defense as well. He can he can find open space and he's great. He's great at that. <clears throat> All right. Kobe Parkinson, we talked about him a little bit. I'm kind of excited for the kid. Last year he had a breakout season, 25 receptions, 322 yards, 12.9 average, which is mm-hmm. great for a red zone stretcher kind of a guy. Um, couple touchdowns in there. I think he can double that production when Six given the foot seven. And that is not a yeah, it looks good on a on a roster or you know a, a press release, so we're gonna put it on there. Or he's six foot seven in cleats. No, this guy's legit six foot seven. He's out there, and he looks tall compared to the offensive lineman. He looks he is significantly taller than DK Metcalf. Um, that's just something you, you know you can't teach. That he is a big guy. He also runs kind of like a gazelle. Um, with those high knees and really long strides, and he's kind of gangly. Um, but that doesn't mean he's not effective. I think they've underutilized Colby Parkinson his entire time in Seattle. Last year, he finally started getting some play, especially you know when when Disley got banged up. Uh, Parkinson made a made a pretty big impact. I want to see him more. I'd love to see this team rotate those three tight ends, keep two of them on the field, you know, most of the time especially if you know they have an injury at wide receiver because they've only got three wide receivers of note uh, on the roster. So you might as well get your tight ends some extra playing time because all three of them can flat out play. And I want to see more of Colby Parkinson. I think you get him out there. He is a mismatch in terms of coverage, no matter who you put on him. He's too damn tall for anybody to cover. I think Most linebackers actually... are 6'1". He's 6'7", right? Um, a lot of defensive backs are going to come in, you know, at, at 197 pounds and, and, you know, he's 255. Like he's bigger than anyone who's going to cover him. Use that. Yeah. I think we're going to end up seeing him more this year, just by virtue of, of some of the things that we've talked about, especially when we had the quarterback show, we talked about the efficiency of the offense, <clears throat> pretty darn efficient last year, 48% conversion rate on third down. You'd mentioned the idea of, of also being more successful on first and second down. They brought in a running back to help ensure that they are more efficient on first and second down as well. And then you translate that into uh, uh, the defense as well, being kind of a ball hawk defense, generating turnovers, more additional opportunities for the offense. I think Kobe Parkinson's a kind of a player that would benefit the most from having more opportunities, more third down opportunities. Uh, reaching further into the red zone on uh, drives 
you know, if he averages one additional red zone drive per game over the course of the season, he's going to have a huge impact uh, mm-hmm. on that. Yeah, I mean, I, again, I, I, his he's such a mismatch. Um, run him to the corner and throw the ball up. Nobody can get it except for him. He's the only one tall enough. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's the only one with, with that height, that long of arms, that much vertical. Um, you literally don't have to worry about someone, you know, out jumping him for the ball. Um, they need to start using that more. And it, I mean, it, it, you can't go wrong when you've got guys with unique uh, abilities like that, as, right? You just have to I, use them. A player that can take advantage of one-on-one matchups. I mean, the guy's not going to be double teamed. You got too many other weapons on the field. That's um, the nice thing about this coming year. Um, yeah. Now that now that they've got a third wide receiver, now that um, you know they've got another running back, you're not running um, Travis Homer out there uh, as your third down back. You've got Ken Walker as your third down back. Now they have to account for that. Yeah. Um, nobody's getting double teamed except for DK Metcalf. Everyone else is probably going to be single coverage um, at all times because there's so many weapons. And a guy like Kobe Parkinson, one-on-one with a 6-1 linebacker, right. just you know, isolate him, throw it into the corner, let him go get it. It, 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 it'll, be, it'll be easier than you think it is. Wow. I know. That's exciting stuff. It really is. I mean... Um, I was excited about last year's offense. I thought we had plenty of weapons to be able to get the job done. We did. We ended up having plenty of weapons. We we were a top 10 uh, offense. Uh, mm-hmm. We could have been better down the stretch, but this year with yeah, the, the offensive line improved and the, mm-hmm. the additional weapons that we did get when you add Ken, uh, Kenny McIntosh into that as well, Charbonnet, uh, Ken Walker's receiving the ball probably a little bit more this year out of the backfield as well. Um and, and and Jigba, um, being able to be a wizard with his route running and and so forth, dude, I mean, it's gonna be so so fun and exciting. It's just kind of crazy, and, you know. And it they, better they, be. they run a lot of um, <laughs> similar formations with a lot of different routes and looks. Yeah, um, people just and aren't gonna be able to know where it's coming from. That's the thing that I like about about Shane Waldron and and his offense is that. You know, you've only got, you know, 12 formations that you use. And out of that, you run 240 plays. Um, Because your alignment does not dictate what you do. And defenses can't read into you. And coming from the the Brian Schottenheimer era, where your alignment absolutely dictated what you do, um. It's just different. It puts so much pressure on the on the defensive players to to read and react and not just know. Um, and if they think they know, they probably are. They're probably going to guess wrong, and you're going to have a big play. So um, it, it, it's I like his version of the offense much more. And in a situation where you have that this many weapons, if the offensive line can hold up, then the offense is going to be great. And last year, the offensive line didn't hold up. The middle of the offensive line was bad. The tackles were great for a while, and then they wore down. I mean, they, they were kids, right? Rookies are coming in after about week twelve. Their season should be over. That's what they're used to. Is you know that's the end of the college season. Now you got five more weeks to go, and um, you could tell 
And it was more on Abe Lucas's side than than Charles Cross's side. But yeah, they just wore down. And I think this year you're not going to have those two guys wear down. I think the middle is going to be better, if nothing else, because yeah, you've got the veterans that can come in and, and do the job, but you've got the rookies that'll come in and and they're not going to be playing every down um, all season because you've got the two veterans there. So they're not going to wear down the way um, the way Abe Lucas did. And you're going to see this offense be better because where is the weak link? I know we we did this last week when we were talking about uh, other things. Where is the weak link than the in the, the offense? Yeah. It's I, certainly I not what it, it's certainly not tight end with today's show where you've got three starting caliber tight ends. It's not running back. It's not wide receiver, although they're they're only three deep at wide receiver, and it would be nice to have a fourth. But after years of not having a third, we'll talk, we'll talk about that on our on our next show for sure. Yeah, after years of not having a third wide receiver, having having a third guaranteed and and lamenting about the fourth seems like whining. Um, you know, and if the offensive line is improved, like the weapons are better this year than last year. The offensive line should be better this year than last year. This offense is gonna 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 just take off. Yeah. And if it doesn't, I'm gonna be shocked. And of course, there's going to be people calling me a homer in the comments, and they're going to be like, "Uh, you don't know. You're just yeah, you're just I like that because you're a Seahawk fan and whatever." Yeah, I don't know, man. This but give me going to be kind of crazy. Yeah, like show me the evidence after last season where they were a really good offense despite not having an interior offensive line or not having a third wide receiver, not wow. having a backup running we're, back. We're counting on a few things here. We're counting on Abe Lucas to improve functional strength and off-season training uh, and just being better overall in, in, a, in a year two growth at uh, Charles Cross, same thing. We don't know what we've got at, at center. Um, we've got a rookie coming in, fifth round pick, not a first round pick, not a second, fifth round pick. I understand there's accolades about him and, and the team feels good. Let's see see it happen first. Yeah, but he's Evan not Brown even... is okay. I mean, the guy was, you know, a <clears throat> part-time starter in, in Detroit. Uh, earned an opportunity to start in the NFL. He's got yeah. that with Seattle. Let's see but he's replacing happens. he's replacing Austin Blythe, who is mediocre. And Austin Blythe, while uh, was was physically uh, overmatched uh, quite a bit, uh, was a smart player, uh, great line caller, good leader. Like I don't want to diminish him too much, but yes, physically overmatched. Yeah, and so I, I just look at. Yeah, they're they're expecting they're expecting some rookies to do things, but what are they replacing? Right? Um, Whether at center, I think it's better. It's easier. I think it's going to be easier to uh, replace the production at right guard, Um, just because I just you know what we had was not. Gabe Jackson just didn't play well last year. Yeah, and and which was really when he did play, and then I think we've got an opportunity with Bradford there. It looks like we potentially have a starter there at right guard with Bradford, mm-hmm. um, that, who's a better pass blocker right now than he is a run blocker. And he's known for his run blocking because he's such a brute. He's a brute force. He's big. He's like 337 pounds, uh, six foot four. And the guy's a mauler, but he's also a pretty decent pass blocker coming into the league. So I'm just very, I think that that job to me is more solvable right now than the center spot. I want to see Uli come in, uh, 
and take that spot. And if he does in the first couple of weeks of, of training camp, I think we're good. We're solid. We're, we're but, good to but, go. There's going to be some growing pains, but there always is. But, um, while, uh, Austin Blythe was smart and all the line calls and all the <clears throat> mental part that they ask of a center, which is a lot more than I think a lot of fans, um, uh, want to recognize and admit, um, he was really good at that part. Physically, he was overmatched continuously over and over again all season. And with a guy like Uli, willing to live with that. They were because, because of the other things that he brought and because they thought the other guys are um, around him were going to be good enough. And ultimately, I mean, this is a team that made the playoffs despite expectations being just basement, bottom floor, low. Um, and, you know, Uli is a guy that's known for being Austin Blythe smart, yeah, but not having the physical limitations. Um, and, you know, they've got, um, was it, is it's Evan, Evan, Evans, Evan Brown, Brown, Evan. Yeah. Evan Brown, um, who is, you know, he also is better physically. He's a more physical player, um, a better athlete. Than Austin Blythe, and so, yeah, I'm sure they'll they'll lose a little bit uh, this first year of Uli's career um, in terms of everything mentally that Austin Blythe brought to the game, but physically they are a better offensive line now. And Gabe Jackson was so disappointing; he was the best offensive lineman on the team two years ago, and last year he just could not live up to that, and he just was awful at times and it was really disappointing i really expected him to be the strength of that offensive line that the the vet that that held everything together while you had um you know the two rookie tackles and you know blythe being overmatched at center and all that i think oh well gabe jackson's gonna get the job done because he did the year before when they were awful on offensive line and he was the one guy you could depend on but it just didn't happen. And so you're replacing a guy that was just genuinely not a good, not, not good, not a positive influence on your offense. Um, it's hard to go down from that. It's hard to go right. down from what Austin Blythe gave you physically. I'm going to stop you now. Cause we've been talking about the offensive line for about seven minutes now. And, and this is a tight end show. I know it's, but this, yeah, okay, fine. Um, I'm trying to talk about the offense in general and just yeah, saying, because right. I think this offense is going to be great. And the tight end position is part of why, because Noah Fant is a legit threat as a receiver. Will Disley might be the best blocking tight end in the NFL. And Colby Parkinson is a unique, um, you know, player at six foot seven who moves the way he does. And that's not even talking about the three guys we haven't mentioned yet. Yeah. Because Tyler Mabry comes in as a guy who's been with this team now for two full years going into his third year. year one play, one reception, but he made it count. Yeah. Um, it was a, it was a touchdown. <laughs> and, and he's a, he's a guy that the team loves, even though he spends a lot of time on the practice squad and he's up and down off the roster and on the roster. The team likes him. They respect him. They know what he does. The problem for him is that he is, um, he is Will Disley light. He's a really good blocking tight end. 
but not as good as Will Disley. And you don't need two of those on the roster. And, and that's, that's the problem for him. That, that's, that's his flaw is that someone on the roster is better. It's yeah. not that he's bad. Well, um, I got some exciting news for you. If you like Tyler Mabry and you like Will Disley, you're going to like Noah uh, Grindorf. Yes. Really yes, well. I am. <laughs> <laughs> Noah Grindorf. Best, best yep. blocking tight ends in all of college football. He did it at North uh, Dakota State, but nonetheless, 6'6", 268-pound tight end. I yep. mean, he only has to gain another 15 pounds. He could be a tackle. Yeah. He's not um, particularly athletic, which is which is the downside. So there's no – he will not be stretching the field. He will not be much as a receiver. He might be able to be a safety blanket leaking out after blocking for a few seconds type of thing, but that's how you're getting <laughs> What he is is a guy who's technically sound as a blocker. His footwork is good. His hand placement is good. He knows what the hell he's doing as a blocker and him, Mabry, Disley, you got, you got your blocking um, tight end down. Any one of those guys could, could, could hold that role for the team. Disley's the best of the group. He's also the most expensive of the group. So that's something to think about. Um, The other two guys. Yeah. And the other two guys cost you nothing. Um, But both, both of those guys, like technically they're sound. Physically, you know, as far as blocking, there's sound. Um, <clears throat> neither is going to give you much in the passing game, but you're not asking him to. That's what Parkinson yeah. and uh, Fanter for. So Griffin Herbert is the last guy on our list uh, that's uh, been invited to training camp as an undrafted rookie free agent. Guy is 6'1", 239 on the He's small side. He's small. He's yeah, small. wide receiver. Uh, for his school until his senior year and then switched to tight end. Mm-hmm. 23 catches last year, 481 yards and three touchdowns. Fast, jumped high, changes direction really nice, uses leverage, all that kind of stuff, but he's a tweener. He's almost uh, he's almost got a fullback body. Um, he does. When you take a look at him. He's a special teams guy um, on paper. I mean, I know that uh, if you look at like his scouting report um, on NFL.com, it says that, you know, he's not necessarily the hardest worker on special teams. Um, and I don't know what that would be, but he's athletic. He's um, a, he's got good hands. He um, is good after the catch. He's a guy that can catch the ball, get downfield. He's just undersized. He is a big slot more than yes. he is a. Um, a tight end. Um, yes. now, he's only six one. Let's be honest. Yeah, he's you know, so he's, he's very undersized for a tight end. For a tight in end, general, but so, also uh, too slow to be you know a, a an ex wide receiver. Yeah, but so compare him to, and I'm comparing him to one to an absolutely great wide receiver. Um, so this is not a fair comparison for him, um, but in terms of body type, makeup, speed, those kind of things. Anquan Bolden. I was just thinking of Anquan Bolden. Yeah. Anquan Bolden was like a seventh round pick, turned out to be a fantastic player for Arizona. Um, Big body guy, um, just a a very large slot uh, and was excruciatingly productive. Yeah. Yeah, Great hands. Hands, Good. Uh, He was a great route runner. Yeah. And he used his body so well. He was a four or five guy. Mm hmm. But he could 
he could find those spots, those soft spots in the defense and, and put himself in there and then get the ball. And he was really good at using his body to shield off um, players and really good at making a catch through contact. Um, now, is this guy Anquan Bolden? Probably not, but he it's what he reminds me of. Yeah. A guy that's not fast enough to be a wide receiver, not big enough to be a tight end, but athletic, catches the ball, good hands, could be something, maybe not. Um, yeah, you know, it's just interesting because you've got to go one way or another with a guy like this. I, you know, I don't see him as being a, a tight end. Um, I don't not either. At not at six one, but he could be a fullback. He could be an H back. You know, a crafty uh, offense in this league could use a guy like that. Um, you know, for mismatch purposes and so forth. Uh, I don't know. I mean, obviously, he's just one of those those uh those things where you're super athletic you're a good athlete you're a good football player but your body is one type and where you need to be able to play in the nfl is another and we'll see how that matches up that's why he's an undrafted guy that's why you bring him in you take a look at him you figure him out if it works great if not he he doesn't make the roster and he he moves on so yeah i think he probably doesn't make the roster just given the three guys at the top but he makes a practice squad because he's interesting. Yeah. Um, when it comes to um, Noah, Noah, um, I always Grindorf. Say That's what I was, I was just about to say. <laughs> I, I want to say Grindorf, but it's not. It's Grindorf. Um, Grindorf. For him, he needs to beat out Tyler Mabry, and I think he's got the inside, um, the inside uh, shot to do that mm-hmm. because he's younger. He's got more team control. He's cheaper. Yeah, like there's bigger, there's reasons bigger. to think that he could he could get that job. Uh, the team also really likes Tyler Mabry, and they know that Tyler Mabry can do the job. They've kept him around. This is going to be his third year with the team for a reason, even though he hasn't played much, because they know what he can do, and they know that if Disley gets hurt, he's up to the task. Yeah, That's why they the brought him up last better. year? They brought yeah, him up last year when 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 Disley got hurt. They brought him up. They played him. He did a lot of blocking, caught one touchdown pass. Um, so, yeah, lots of things there. This is overall, there, there are six guys. We're, we're 36 minutes into a show, about six players. Um, I think this is a really interesting group of six guys. I think it's a really interesting group of three guys. You know, I I, I think Griffin <laughs> Herbert is, is great to talk about. He's kind of a fun player. We'll see. Noah Griff, Grindorf. I, you know, he looks the part. Let's find mm-hmm. out if he can actually be a good football player on the field. Tyler Mabry, we kind of know that. Uh, he's been around. He hasn't been able to break through. It's hard to blame him when you got Parkinson, Disley, and Fant in front of you. Um, they extended uh, Fant on a fifth-year option this year. We'll find out if he plays mm-hmm. himself into a contract. Those things are hard to do um, in in his spot. He's really got to outplay potentially – uh, what a rookie could do coming in next year in, in a mid, you know, second, third round pick next year's draft, as well as Disley being under contract um, beyond Noah Fant. Noah Fant really needs to perform this year to get a contract. Uh, Fant now, and Parkinson are both in the final year of their contract. Yeah. And Seattle didn't take a, a tight end in this draft. Which True. That was interesting. But there wasn't a spot on the roster, really. There so were, really, yeah. Going high. You couldn't. If you did draft one high, you'd have to ship out somebody because you just wouldn't have room. Um, so somebody would be getting cut. 
Yeah, there was a lot of talk about Michael Mayer out of Notre Dame. Uh, people thought he was a first-round pick. He was not. I, I agree with the NFL and, and him dropping and not being uh, you know, near the first round. Um, but there was a lot of talk about him. But if you draft a guy like that, who do you leave? Some One of those three guys that we mentioned that are currently you know, written in pen uh, as being part of the 53-man roster. Um, one of those three would have to go. And that's not a, you know, that's losing a resource. Yeah. Um, and, and I, I think they were, the team was smart not to I draft a tight end. I do too. I do too. Okay. Let's get out of here. Good show. Fun show. Uh, continuing series. Uh, next show is the wide receiver group. And that's a much bigger, uh, group to talk about. And, um, lots of excitement there, obviously with the high draft pick this year. Uh, find Keith on Twitter at Myers NFL. You can find me at NW Seahawk. The show is Seahawks Playbook Podcast. Uh, you can find that on your uh, YouTube uh, feed. Just look it up when you find it. Hit that subscribe button and your favorite podcast platform as well. Everything from Spotify to Google Podcasts to Amazon Music, all that good stuff. So until next time, go Hawks. Go Hawks. Seahawks Playbook Podcast listeners, thanks for joining us for another edition of the show. You can find us on Twitter. Bill is at NW Seahawk. Keith is at Myers NFL. And the show is at Hawks Playbook. You can listen and subscribe to the show at SeahawksPlaybook.com. Podcast Network. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press one. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press two. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over a hundred social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.